cue motivational music. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name's Dean and I'm a designer on a quest. A quest to further understand the creative industry and learn as much as this noggin will hold. Join me as I share my discoveries and tap into the minds of some of the most well-respected creatives in the world. This is my creative therapy. Hello and welcome to episode 8. So today I'm joined by Diane Young, who is the co-founder of The Drum. (laughs) Definitely didn't mean for that to rhyme. The Drum is a uh, global media platform and is actually the biggest marketing website in Europe. I'm sure many of you are familiar with their publications, but in, in addition to their website and magazine, they provide award shows, live events, marketing solutions, video production, research, the list goes on. Definitely check them out if you haven't already. And in this episode, Diane and I talk about her journey within the industry how brands are transitioning into disruptive spaces, social media influencers, her TED talk, and loads more. So where, where are you at the minute there? Are you in, are you in Scotland? I'm in, no, I live in London. I've lived in London for five years. Ah, okay. I shouldn't just assume from the accent. <laughs> um, so yeah, massive thanks for being on the podcast. I really appreciate your time and you being here. Um, oh yeah, where do you host your content? So I've got it on uh, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube uh, at the at the minute, and w- with the hope of putting it out to more sort of platforms in the in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's it's fairly new to be honest. I've I've recorded around about twenty podcasts, but only six are live at the minute. So mm-hmm. uh, the latest one was uh, I did one with a guy called James Cross, who's the creative director of the BBC. So he was the latest one that I put out. Uh, That was episode six. So I'm putting one out every week. Mm -hmm. um, And just going from there, really. And And how's the the audience going? I'm just interested in the podcast. No, it's it's going really well, surprisingly really well. What I wanted to do, I wanted to get a bit of weight behind the the podcast first before I started talking about it and shouting about it and stuff. So I got five episodes in, Mm -hmm. or five released Mm -hmm. five episodes, and then thought... It's probably a good time to maybe push it out there. So I did. Uh, I haven't done any sort of paid advertising for it at the minute or anything, but just I think podcasts in general are just, it's a it's a form of entertainment, which is just going through the roof at the minute. Although they've been, yeah, although they've been around for it. years, been around for years, but it just seems within the last year or two, uh, I've see, I seen an interesting stat from a guy who works at a company called Social Chain who said that in 2020 he predicts that 50% of brands are going to be um, using podcasts. Yeah, it feels like a reinvented form of audio entertainment. Obviously, you've got the radio, but I think with most people, it's kind of hit and miss whether or not they actually enjoy listening to it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's much more driven by the user, which is good. I mean, I can't stand radio presenters. I think I'm just too old. Uh, you know, I no, like the music, I'm... but I don't. I don't like the, the bits in between. I don't find it entertaining. I find it irritating. So, yeah. you know, to be able to listen to something that you've chosen is really good. So, anyway, but maybe we'll talk about some of those trends when we're actually in our interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, I would love to hear about your sort of your journey and and where you started. You studied at uh, you studied maths at was it Strathclyde? I did indeed. Yes. Yeah, I never, cool. when I was at school, thought that I would uh, go to university and study maths. Um, but there you go. You end up doing strange things. Fair yeah. fly, I know. So you, um, 
what was the sort of the the transition between wanting to study maths and wanting to because uh, I know you worked at the the NHS as well. What was yeah. it that sort of how did you go from studying maths to then working at the NHS to then working at the drum? Yeah, uh, well, when I graduated, I couldn't get a job for a while. And then I ended up in the NHS doing a statistics related job doing health stats. Um, mm -hmm. And I did moved on through various jobs over five years in the health service. And uh, by that time, I had uh, met my husband, Gordon, who ran a company called Scott Media. And uh, he eventually asked me if I would come and join the business uh, to do events because publishing companies were starting to do events. And um, so that's what I did. I was part time. I worked in the mornings in the health service and community and mental health and in the afternoon in the media industry. Uh, and I actually went and worked for the company for nothing uh, for six months uh, until eventually I said, look, I'd quite like to leave my job and do this full time. So could, please, could you give me some money, uh, which they did. Uh, he and uh, the other business partner that we have, Nick. Uh, so I went to work with Gordon and Nick and started doing events. And then after a short time, it became apparent that um, the business needed an MD. And so it was agreed that I would take on that role. So I was about 28 or something at the time. No experience in running a company or even working in a commercial company. Uh, and that was me thrown into this into this role. So, uh, yeah, I didn't really have any relevant experience whatsoever, which was probably not that not that good for the business for the next few years. Um, but the, sto the story moved on. We, we figured a few things out and uh, started to get a business education and that to take off. Yeah, I've been a I've been a massive drum, um, massive fan of the drum for for ages and um oh, I, I love what you guys are doing it's a it's a really interesting platform there's loads of different options to you know you could spend all day on there just getting inspired please and, do um, no i love it i seriously do um and uh, you mentioned the uh you sort of went into the drum and not getting paid and stuff and it, it reminded me, i think you mentioned it in the in the ted talk that you did which and it was, I think it was called uh, Why It Takes 25 Years to Become an Overnight Success. That's right, yeah. Um, it really, to me, it communicated that you should never really give up on an idea. And if you feel like things aren't working, you should look for reasons why. And don't be afraid to question if there's anything, you know, you're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I, think, um, I, I think if you've got an idea that you're passionate about, uh, and you're maybe struggling with it, then something that really, really helps is to make connections with people who are already doing similar things or of relevant experience. Uh, and I'd, mostly when you reach out to people, they help, they want to help other people. They want to share their experience and um, try to help people not to maybe make the same mistakes. So I think there, there's always someone out there who's going to help you and support you. And I think that's really important. Uh, to to help you keep going, but also to help you not make silly mistakes. You know, it might be that you've got a great idea, but you're you're missing something fundamental. And so it's so important to try and get help from other people, uh, to read books and to get an education for yourself. But but find a support network as well. It's incredible, uh, the power of you know a good support group around you, whether that's formal. Um, and I do. I'm part of a formal group like that, and in you know, informal as well. Just people you know that you can phone up when you're feeling like you can't move things forward yourself any further. Um, so, so yeah, I think tenacity 
um, is really important and belief uh, and the ability to ask for help when you need it. Yeah, I totally agree. And there's kind of like, uh, there's so many, it, it's never really been, it's never really been easier uh, in today's world to sort of start a business. And there's so much inspiration around you. And there's so many different areas of, of business to get into, especially in the online space, just for social media, for example, where, you know, you've got influencers who I guess in, in you know, there's definitely some business model behind being a influencer. Do you think over time influence, like the more influencers that we sort of see on Instagram as a means of promoting a business, do you think that the the influencer model would become sort of more diluted as, as it expands? Because obviously, in my opinion, the more influencers that you have, the less effective they kind of are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's the same as most things in, in the world, uh, that there's going to be people who manage to streak ahead and become mm. massively influential. Um, I actually saw Mylene Class being interviewed last week uh, at an event. And, uh, you know, the way that she approaches using her celebrity status earned through her pop career uh, to make money now and to, uh, to, to carve out doing more of what she wants, which is not necessarily pop music at all. Um, it, was an, it was a really good story about how someone has taken some influence and really worked hard to monetize it and to make it a proper career. And I think there's, uh, there, there's probably a, a misconception that people just shoot to stardom uh, and then they make loads of money out of it and they just kind of roll out of the bed in the morning and count their money. Uh, mm -hmm. but behind every single one of those success stories, there is someone absolutely grafting, uh, you know, or maybe like Mylene Class, thinking really carefully about, um, you know, what their sweet spot is in terms of audience and how they can uh, make that a career for themselves. You know, I, I was amazed how much she talked about data, for instance. Uh, you know, you just look at her as a you know member of the public and think, oh, yeah. pop star, celebrity, you know, makeup, clothes, fancy gigs and everything. She's all about the data. Um, so that was really interesting. So, so I think the answer to your question is there's going to be a lot of people who think they can do it without much effort, um, but they're wrong. Um, and you're right, it's going to get more and more competitive. Uh, but there's, but you're also right in that it's never been easier before. Uh, so a few years ago, you wouldn't be talking to me because you wouldn't be having a podcast. You wouldn't be trying to make mm -hmm. your mark. And secondly, I would um, either be stuck in Scotland in a pretty dismal business or be out of business. But the internet came along and we were able to uh, make our mark in the world and become a globalized business. Uh, mm. so the opportunity is there like it's never been before in the history of time. So if people want to grasp that opportunity, they just need to put in the work. Um, work, work, work will always, will always overcome, I, I think, unless you've got, unless your idea is fund fundamentally not good. Um, but if you've got one idea like that, think of another one and, and go for your next go for your next idea. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. What's your, and, what's your, what's your ambition for your post podcast? Cause um, I, know it's not, I know it's not your full-time job. No, no. I, I mean, if it, if I could make it my full-time job where I get to speak like, you know, to people like you all day, that would be in incredible. Um, 
but there is no sort of I mean I was speaking to a couple of guys uh, last week and they were saying you know we you can you can monetize podcasts and stuff but as as good as that sounds at the same time it sort of takes away the the value of it like I've seen a few podcasts on YouTube where they begin their podcasts by saying oh and this this podcast is is sponsored by so and so and it's kind of it it loses it loses something and it feels a bit cheap and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I tell you what I think I think good on you you've monetized your pod monetize your podcast you're creating mm. something of value and you're making value in your life from it so I actually have the opposite view from that two of my mm-hmm. favorite podcasts are <coughs> excuse me um the Oprah Winfrey series uh, which if you haven't listened to that it's incredible um and that's sponsored and the other one is uh, uh the chap that started LinkedIn um, oh, okay. And his is sponsored. In fact, I can tell you, it's an insure, it's a life insurance uh, um, search engine or service that sponsors mm. this podcast. So I've listened to so many, I actually know what it is. And the way that they do it's quite neat. Um, mm. They make a little bit of interesting content out of what the sponsor does, and so it's not too intrusive. So that's two like massive names: one in the world of entertainment and business, one in the world of business, uh, who who are. You know, producing amazing content that I appreciate, and I'm perfectly happy to listen to the sponsor's message um, as a result. So, why would you, you know, if you want to do what you're doing full time, you're going to have to think of a way of, you know, living uh, without, without a salary. So, I'm not sure that's the right mindset for you to have. I think that I think I the mindset is, how do I do this in a way that I can you know, achieve my ambition of doing it full time, um, but which still creates a quality experience for the listeners. I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if that was the case, and if I were able to do that, that would, that would be amazing. I guess I haven't really researched into it enough in how to uh, monetize it or anything. I think at this stage, it's kind of more of a hobby and just something that I look forward to do. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, and if there was a way where I could sort of tie in if if it was related, like if, for instance, this podcast was sponsored by The Drum, mm-hmm. you, you could kind of get away with it. But if it was sponsored by Teeth Whitener, it would, it would, I don't know, I'm not sure whether it would, it would feel right because, I don't know, again, I haven't um, looked into it as much, but it's definitely something that I probably would consider if it got mm-hmm. to the stage where, you know, I seen an opportunity where, you know, I could take it full time. I, I would love to. Jesus Christ, yeah, yeah. that would be, that'd be a yeah. dream. I mean, even but, even if it's a, a your side chisel, um, mm. why not make make money for yourself from it? My one of my main hobbies is I love um, renovating properties, dismal properties, and making them into nice places to live. But that probably constitutes about twenty five percent of our household income. So I get wow, to do okay. something that I love, and it it helps us to have a nice life for our family. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if you can if you can take a hobby and you know you're good at something and you can do it for a living then that's that's the dream yeah absolutely it? why not and i i think that um as time goes on it will more and more be the case that uh, you know people of your age will have multiple multiple streams of income uh you'll have a you'll have your kind of major ish job but you'll also have one or two or three other things that you do because there's so many there's so many opportunities you know people can be selling things on ebay or uh 
making their craft hobby into something that they can make money out through selling through, you know, the multiple sites that are out there, you know, full of people wanting to buy those kinds of things. And also like the kind of thing that you're doing, you're, you're creating value for people by uh, bringing relevant content to them that will help them. So um, I, I can see a time when, you know, um, the, the, the uh, I have a single job and a single income is very much a thing of the past for a huge proportion of the population. Um, and as things like uh, artificial intelligence come in, uh, I think that people will need to look for, you know, lots of different ways of, of, of making their life, um, making the life that they want for themselves. Mm. So I think it's everything to play for. And I think it's really interesting. And I would yeah. love to see, I would love, you know, schools to be much more interested in getting entrepreneurial mindsets into, into the kids, you know, rather than necessarily, uh, some of the things that my children are learning at school. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I, I was speaking to someone the other day as well, and we were talking about education and how everything in the last hundred years, you know, if you look at everything, is it's changed within the last hundred years. But education is is one that hasn't really been touched. You know, it's still everyone gets into a classroom looks at one person at the front of the room and they listen to that person for an hour then they move into the next lesson then the next and it's kind of like yeah like you say about this whole entrepreneurial thing it'd be great to learn some like entrepreneurial lessons and just learn what life is like on on the outside as well as the the subjects that can help in it Mm -hmm. i i think and um yeah when i was speaking to james cross we were saying that you know a lot of uh, kids well I say kids it's, to be asked at 16 years old what you want to do for the rest of your life it's it's a heavy question to be asked and it's one that I didn't really benefit from because I was studying graphic design and, and art and music and I just chose the subjects that I enjoyed doing when I was in school and when I was there there was no real I wasn't really told that I could make an income or you know live a sustainable life off off these hobbies it was kind of like like when i was when i was studying graphic design for example we were i remember this one project we had to design a, a dvd cover or something and and but that was it they they just told us how to make it they didn't teach us how to sell it or how to communicate it to a certain audience or you know anything about the the marketing side of things and i i guess i might have been a bit naive um to be fair but it kind of felt like that's that might have been the reason why i wasn't sure that there was an actual way for me to get into the industry and and actually get paid for doing what i enjoyed doing mm-hmm. i mean I, I think that's absolutely right and i think that teachers and career libraries are you know they they live in a, a different kind of world there's not enough connection I remember doing a little quiz thing at, when I was at university and I was in my fourth year. Yeah, it must have been coming up to the milk round and you would put into the career system what you liked and what you didn't and these questions. And my top job that came up was to be a minister, as in of the church. I mean, I, I'm an atheist, so I don't know how the heck that happened. But that, that was a kind of level of um, intuition about, how, you know, what careers you could have at that point. But um, I think there's a movement now amongst business owners uh, and entrepreneurs, I, I'm not. I'm not so much in the corporate world for this, but um, and and there are several organisations starting up to really have a push to 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 make a make an impact on the problem that you've just discussed. Uh, so there are organisations organisations like Youth Enterprise where 
uh, school kids are encouraged to start a business and run it for a year, uh, make a profit, and there's a national competition. Um, I'm involved with a an organisation called Founders for Schools, where you go in and uh, when there's a you know a, a, a careers day, they will have they will provide three to four entrepreneurs to talk about how they got into their business and and what they do. Um, but it's still not enough. I think it's still not enough. Um, and I you know I, I I worry about the you know exams. I've got children coming up uh, to exam the exam time in their life. And my son's just not interested at all. He wants to be an e, an e gamer. Uh, I don't. I don't know whether that's a proper career or not. I mean, I kind of know that lots of people are making money out of it, but I, I worry about whether that's like saying I'm going to be a professional footballer. You know, it's it's so so hard to get to the stage where you're earning a living out of it. Uh, that even I'm still saying to my son, you've got to study for your exams. You've got to have a plan B. You know, that's the game. The game at the moment is played in a way that the points that are on the scoreboard is what exam results you get. And I don't know when that's going to change. Um, but equally, yesterday I was uh, sort of counselling one of our young employees who wants to leave and go to university. And I'm saying, well, you're in a brilliant position now. You've, you've got a job, you could get training, you could do part-time education. Why not do that instead of going and, you know, coming out with a 45 grand debt? Why don't you come out, you know, having earned 45 grand or more, you know, so you could make a 90 to 100,000 pound difference in your financial situation in your life. Um, you know, is it the right thing to go to university and do a degree just because you, fe you feel you need one? Um, and I think employers need to look at how they are um, recruiting uh, young people as well. You know, should we be doing more uh, in-house training and focusing more on apprenticeships and less on, you know, making sure that we're recruiting graduates. Uh, I think I think the whole the whole landscape is in a little bit of flux uh, mm -hmm. in terms of you know how careers happen, and I think it's really exciting. I think it's much more exciting than when I graduated. You know, you had to go to university if you wanted a decent job. That was it. You know, there was, it was very black or white then, and I I don't think it's as black or white now. Whether that means I'm going to let my son play on his computer 24 hours a day, uh, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> no, um, you're, you're totally right. It almost feels like, from my point of view, uh, you're obliged to live this kind of, uh, well, it's not so much, a, uh, it wasn't so much a fairy tale lifestyle back in the day. It was just the way things were done. But now you sort of, you still feel as though you, you know, you're on this path where you go to school you leave school, you go to college, you leave college, go to uni, you leave college, uh, uni, have kids, get married, move into a house. And that's sort of like the way you're sort of, you're pushed in and out of education, I guess. And I, I can see it's the, the transition of, of that just doesn't feel kind of natural. And I think the, the system is, is fully aware of it. But they're just not sure how to tackle it because it's just it's something that's been done for so long how do they go about switching things up and it's not an overnight thing by any sort of stretch of the imagination but it's it's just not something that can be done easily and i'm i, I don't know whether that sounds like i'm saying you know it's too hard so that's why they're not doing it but mm. um well, there's a lot of um, uh, entrenched views and also uh, vested interests as well. Um, 
you know, that universities are there to sell now as well. They don't get funding automatically. They have to sell what they're doing. Um, and, and I think the way they're going about it is by saying, you know, it's so important to have a degree. You won't be able to get a proper job if you don't have a degree. Um, and I think that's not really believable anymore. Um, I think there's some areas where, you know, if you've got relevant uh, experience, which you can gain by, um, you know, just, just contact companies and say, can I come in and work in your office for a week or two weeks or, uh, you know, four hours a week for two months or something, find out about the jobs that you might like. Um, you know, when I'm looking at CVs, I value that almost as much, really, if not the same as a degree. Somebody has said, I've spent time working out what I might want to do. Um, I've tried different things. And when I got into this, I really, really liked it. So now I know that's what I want to work in. Um, and I think it's almost better to do that uh, really early um, and and show that just show that you've got some gumption. To me, gumption applying yourself, doing something risky or that, you know, you were scared to do, but you did it anyway. Those things are so valuable when you're when you're recruiting people. And I think yeah, probably I undervalued. And even the way that CV works hasn't changed in what, 30, well, well, when did I graduate? 1991. The CVs I get are the exact same format as what I was doing all those years ago. You know, surely something in the world would move on. Why don't people, you know, record a mini podcast series and submit that as their CV or do a, do a video of themselves or do a, do a little documentary about um, something that they're passionate about. If somebody sent me something like that saying, here's something that I've thought about in your industry and I'd love to work in your company, I'd be blown away by that. But amazingly, people still send a CV saying, uh, you know, that it's obviously not even personalised. And funny yeah. enough, you know, uh, uh, if somebody makes a real effort, then I make an effort to reply. But if it's just a, you know, something that's coming off the cuff and they've obviously just done copy and paste, I just, you know, I'm not going to answer that and they're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, I, I would kind of like to think that it's slightly different in the creative industry, it's just not. because we. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Well, we're then, in the creative industry, we're in the media. Yeah, um, I know. It's 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 a shame to sort of. It's kind of ironic that you're in a creative industry and you're you're selling yourself on a on an A4 bit of paper. It's yeah. kind of it's it's strange, but um, I think I talked about another social chain. There was they had an application once, and their application form was uh, basically a Lego building of their interior That's office, mm -hmm. and it had everything from the blue slide in the office to. Uh, the MD and all the other characters and stuff, mm -hmm. and uh, in the middle was just the USB of the of the portfolio or something like that. But well, surely it would, um, you would think it would yeah have a little uh, extra person that they didn't recognise. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's, seen, there are some brilliant ones done. I know that. I mean, there was. Uh, do you know the Fearless Girl statue? Um, it was in no. New York at the bottom Broadway outside our office for a while. And it's it's a, a, it's a bronze statue of a, a young girl standing in front of the, the, the charging bull at the bottom Broadway. Um, okay. It received a lot of uh, media attention. Um, it was done as a promotion by, I think, McCann's. Anyway, um, what a candidate for a role basically did that thing where, you know, you cover these people that do their, the statues 
for tourists. They cover themselves in spray paint and they stand oh, yeah, yeah. those things. Yeah, basically made themselves up as the fearless girl and stood outside the office of the agency that she wanted to work for. And so those, you know, they do happen. But I don't understand awesome. why more people aren't doing that, even for not creative jobs. Just do something that shows shows your passion um, and that really, really will capture capture the attention. Um, but again, that might fall into the, the, the hands of, you know, the, the people who work in education, because at the end of the day, those are the guys who are sort of releasing their students out into the big world. If, if you know, that, I guess they should be the ones saying, you know, you need to brand yourself and you need to really sell yourself when you leave. You don't just, you know, be handing out A4 CVs. Yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, there, there was another... Um, application i can't remember who it was for or where i've seen it but someone had wrapped a, a usb around the i don't know whether it was, it was basically an owl i think it was an owl or some sort of bird and they wrapped the usb around the the foot of the bird and they sent it through the window of the office wow and it, and it landed on it landed on someone's shoulder or something it sounds it sounds made up it sounds like something in yeah. a film but some I'll people are Google quite it. scared of birds i wouldn't like a bird landing on my shoulder i don't think if you've ever had yeah, a bird come down your chimney and got stuck in your Houses I have, it's pretty. Uh, the the bird gets very panicky. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so I'm not sure that 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 um that's quite risky. Um, yeah, that's true. And then yeah, you've got to worry about other things if birds start flying around in the office. Yeah, I, I think I think um you know one of the things that I wish I'd thought about in my career was that um somebody once said to me or I wrote, oh yeah, well you're the managing director of yourself, um and I don't think people necessarily think of themselves as their own mini business but they are um, mm. or they should so what's in a business you know what is it that the business does what does it produce how does it service its customers uh, how does it market itself how does it get paid um, you know so if you if you think of yourself as, as a mini business then I think that would you know a business would never send out something like a CV you know as a marketing promotion or well maybe they would but I don't think it would it would get them very far because nobody's really that interested in the history of a business they're interested in what what can that business do for me how can it help me in my private life or in my in my business life um and I, I think um everything that you need to do that exists now you know you can have your own channels uh you can have your own brand personality yeah absolutely and I think there's this fear or and or lack of confidence some people have when they're promoting themselves and I think there's also a worry that getting shut down and not getting the response they want is going to further damage their confidence when in fact it's probably going to do the opposite you know long term if you look at sort of self-building and stuff but I guess again it comes down to risks and like you mentioned in your TED talk not being afraid to question if if it's something that you're doing wrong too and i can see a similar thing playing out in in brands as well for times and, uh, love to get your thoughts on this so it, it's it kind of sits in line what we were just saying and the the whole transition between uh traditional and, w and what's going on now and what i'm finding really interesting to watch at the minute is brands uh sort of trans transitioning from sort of traditional forms of marketing and advertising to this sort of this unfamiliar space and online online space and i've seen a stat from hootsuite 
uh, which said social media ad spend in 2019 is expected to be nearly 93 billion. And I'm guessing a lot of sort of traditional media relies on ad revenue to sustain their sort of their platforms. Uh, are there any sort of considerations you think these brands should be thinking about? Uh, media brands specifically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what we th- that's what we think about all the time. That's that's my job is to think about that all the time for our company. And uh, you know, I, I think about it's about um, ten years ago, we set off with um, uh, a, a, li- a short list of things we needed to do to transform our company, and one of them was reduce our uh, our dependence on print advertising, which at that point was about forty five percent of our revenue, um, wow. on turnover of uh, under two million pounds. Uh, we now turn over over 7 million and it's less than 10% of our revenue. So it has it is still there. Um, but now we're looking at uh, a decline in uh, uh, digital advertising as well. So everything we've been okay. doing in our business over the last number of years has been re-engineering it to be not dependent on advertising revenue anymore. Um, and I think that, that, that uh, opens up a whole... Um, vista of opportunity uh so we have in our company we do we have several membership models we do branded content we have a lot of events uh we're now uh, much more focused on monetizing the content that we do uh, that we that we produce which up until now has been mainly mainly free to access which kind of brings us back around to where we started in our conversation earlier about whether podcasts should be monetized or not um so Subscription models are important, affiliate revenue, uh, licensing, uh, creating a marketplace where other people can exchange services and we get some sort of compensation for that. Um, all of these things are, um, are are ways that media companies can uh, can basically make up for the fact that advertising revenue is, is going to become increasingly difficult. Uh, but I firmly believe that um, well, we're in B2B media. I firmly believe that B2B media has got a massive role to play in business and it always will. Um, and what is really important is that the companies that own uh, the platforms and uh, have, have, have created audience and have massive expertise in an area that they've got to focus really hard on how they can uh, maintain their position, maintain a, a healthy business. Uh, and that's, as I say, what I spend most of my time thinking about. Um, in our business, but it's really exciting because there's no lack of opportunity uh, or ideas. Um, It's just reorganizing and re-engineering your organization to be able to to take advantage of those ideas. Um, That's really interesting. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of models as well that we are not actually using at the moment. Uh, Things like lead generation, um, some companies like Hearst are doing really interesting uh, things in the B2B space. Uh, Hearst Health um, has become an organization that uh, I saw the CEO speak, he said they were going to make a billion dollars profit and it's all around providing data and decision-making power to uh, healthcare organizations in the States, uh, which grew out of their model of being publishers of health magazines. Uh, but now they, they barely publish at all. Um, in, in the way that they used to, um, but it's all around systems that are um, embedded into hospitals and health insurance companies. Um, so, so there's all sorts of interesting, interesting models and all sorts of opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I guess it's 
uh, part of the brand's uh, responsibility or the organization's responsibility to to be a bit risky with things and and you know sort of jump at not jump at chances but just take just take opportunities and take risks and not be not be afraid of the the unknown um and like if 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 something come along like a new platform i'm looking at it kind of like from a if sort of like a traditional organization was to sort of approach the 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 drum how they can adapt in this this online space without yeah. ali- without alienating their existing audience yeah yeah and i i think um you know we've gone through a phase where um it's been realized that really intrusive advertising that's going to wreck the experience of your users mm-hmm. and your site is 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 not the way to go uh you know clickbait uh um not fake news because proper publishers don't haven't gone down that route um mm-hmm. But the experience that people have with you is really, really important. Um, but people are prepared to pay for good content delivered in a way that, that suits their changing habits. Um, and I think that um, certain big innovations in media have, you know, seismically changed the way that people consume things. So Spotify for music and Netflix and Amazon Prime for, you know, for, for TV and video, YouTube for video. Twitch is an amazing organization that's just, uh, it's, it's basically like YouTube, but it's live streaming so people can get involved with the people um, that are streaming as they are streaming. Um, you know, so I, I think there's a, a massive way, massive change in the hab- habitual way that people consume media, um, but they also show great willing to pay for that. Um, so the, the, the Twitch model uh, started off mainly in gamers, uh, where, where people would watch a gamer play and listen to them commentating on it. And the gamer will make ad revenue from that, but they'll also just ask people to um, leave what they would call a subscription or a donation. You know, if you liked, if you like my session, click on the button and, uh, you know, show me the love <laughs> through your, <laughs> through your payment wallet, uh, I suppose. Um, and people are willing to do that. They, you know, uh, I think all of us are willing to pay for quality experiences and items and um in our lives and media owners just have to figure out what that quality experience is um, and work out the right kind of value exchange yeah that's so true and that twitch is is another one that excites me it's probably one that your your son's your son's fairly familiar with as well if he wants mm-hmm. to get into you gaming yeah. um have you heard of ninja yeah, is that the top? That's the top guy. Yeah, I heard. I think although so. Quote marks unconfirmed. Uh, yeah. that he made between six and seven million last year oh, wow. off the platform. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at yeah. all. It, it really doesn't. It, it would have surprised me, you know, five, ten years ago, or whatever. But it just seems like the norm now. But mm-hmm. I remember, I remember watching one of them, and you could just see just money coming in because you he gets like notifications when someone subscribed or paid a fee and I, I think everyone sees it as well who's watching mm-hmm. so so that's kind of like influence and and they like ninja for instance will give a shout out and say oh thanks for the the five dollars at so and so and so so i think people you know they want their name read out on screen as well so yeah. they're willing to um they're willing to do that it's yeah. it's 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 real interesting again they're just the I'm sure when they started, the same with YouTubers, I'm sure when they started this hobby, they 
weren't actually sure that there was going to be any money involved like people mm-hmm. like ninja i think they were around before twitch started to really start monetizing things and the same yeah. with youtube and and pewdiepie and uh joe rogan and, and and all the big names on youtube i think they were around before um people were fully aware of how you could make money from mm-hmm. the platforms well, that, that's the value of getting in early isn't it experimenting getting yeah. your model right building a bit of an audience um yeah I took my daughter and her friend to see Miranda Sings last year at the O2 in London. So she was doing a world tour uh, just based off a little um, YouTube video that idea, which is to take the mickey out of people doing YouTube videos. Um, I have to say, I really, really enjoyed the night. It was brilliant. But she's taken an online model into an offline live setting and is obviously doing really well from it. Um, uh, okay. But the other thing I've noticed emerging is the uh, is that uh, I don't even know what the word for it is yet. Um, I'm sure a word will emerge, but um, I'll just describe a scenario. So you can now um, go on a cruise with uh, John Bon Jovi, I think it is, uh, wow. where you cruise for three or four days around the Bahamas or something, and at some point during that, he joins you on the boat. Uh, and you can he does a little concert on this cruise ship and um, depending on what level of ticket you've got you might get to have dinner in the same room as him or at the same table as him and and, and it's a it's a like a luxury meet and greet um, oh, wow. and I've just seen one of those recently in another I think was it a b2b setting and I thought well that's that same model as that um you know very high level hang out with a celebrity of business um in, in an intimate setting um well so it's kind of just like one-on-one or is no, no, it... it's a group it's a group so it's like a cruise ship maybe not ah, right, maybe okay. not a giant one but for that you may be paying eight ten thousand dollars for a two-day wow. cruise ship um in fact the one I saw <clears throat> was um it was uh what's it called how uh, homes and gardens or house and garden uh, the magazine and you could go away with um was one of the weather forecasters to so go away to this event and um it's maybe two three days and you get a special tour of i think it was something related to weather forecasting uh or, or outdoors or something and you and she did a special tour um and so you paid a premium to go on this trip which had a special interest around it but there was a uh, a celebrity um, name involved, um, so I think that I think that model is going to emerge more and more. Um, I think it's kind of sprung out of the meet and greet. You know, at a big concert, you can pay a massive amount of money to go backstage and meet the star after the show or before the show. Um, yeah. So I, I think um, these kind of things will, will emerge even more that's kind of a decent business model from an entertainer's point of view i guess yeah. but if i don't know if i would pay even if i was um you know a massive fan of a musician and they were offering 10 grand to go and meet them i would be mm. like no you know yeah, if, if i'm if i'm that special to you then uh, you'd meet me well, one-on-one for free i don't think you'll and be going then, I... then will you <laughs> <laughs> You'll not be meeting them. You'll need to win a competition or something. But um, but there's lots of people have a lot of money and a great deal of passion. I mean, of course, everybody's talking about the Fire Festival, the documentary. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, that was a a similar concept, wasn't it? It It's go go and hang out with the beautiful people. There'll be rock stars there. Um, And, you know, they they sold 
a lot of tickets and a lot of sponsorship. That wasn't their issue. The issue was they couldn't organise, you know, they couldn't organise it. And uh, the guy was just, I don't know what was what he had going through his head, but um, well, we all know the story. But but the, but the ticket sales was not the issue. There are no, people no. that will pay that money. Um, That's true, isn't it? Um, yeah, and, I think you know that thing about getting a shout out on a Twitch channel. You know, people are paying people ten dollars, fifteen dollars for that, just just for that, so they can say that they did. Um, the other interesting thing about Twitch is it's gone way beyond gaming now as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's people just you know blogging about their their lifestyles, and also a new thing emerging on that platform is that um, you can watch your favorite football game, but um, you can listen to your choice of commentator um, oh, wow, by listening okay. on listening and watching on Twitch. So um, if you don't like Gary Lineker's annoying voice or something, <laughs> um, you you can choose to to uh, get commentated by someone else, or you can choose to be the commentator and try and gather an audience and commentate the game in the way that you want. Um, so I just think I just think it, it's such an interesting time to be alive. Yeah. It really is. Mm. I think we've got it kind of lucky in that, I mean, I'm, I'm 30, so it's kind of, I'm at that, I feel as though I'm in this generation where I understand where things are going and I can sort of, I can pick things up and put them down again and I can be fairly sensible with it and, you know, not get, not get too sucked into different things because I know how disruptive everything is and stuff. But I guess for the younger generation who are sort of growing up with this all around them, mm. it's it's harder for them to sort of break away from it. And I guess I'm not saying that they should break away because it's kind of like, it's evolution, I guess, isn't it? You've just got to roll with it and you just got to uh, go with whatever's out now. And if, if that's if that's a way to sort of make money, then that's what you got to do. But the... Mm. The Fire Festival, that that was some documentary. Did you watch the one on Netflix or Hulu? I watched it on Netflix. Because uh, Hulu, and I think it's the, the platform in America, mm-hmm. uh, they released a, a documentary about it as well, but they managed to get an interview with, uh, I can't remember his name, someone McFarlane, wasn't it? Or someone, the, the main guy who was who was selling it. Oh, yeah. they, managed to get, they managed to get an interview with him. And... Um, Apparently, it was frowned upon because Hulu had to pay them a pay him a bunch of money and to get <laughs> you see, it. And he's stuff, still but... selling. He's still selling. Yeah, exactly. He's behind bars and he's still making more money than I yeah, am. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy, but yeah. that was really interesting to watch how uh-huh. someone can can feed off people's sort of naivety, I guess. Yeah. And um, but I mean, if if you've got the biggest stars in the world, you know, posting about it, there's there's got to be some form of authenticity behind the the, the event i guess definitely i mean mm-hmm. i would i would think that it was certainly real and i wasn't gonna get a uh, a cheese sandwich yeah. for, for however much <laughs> yeah. however many thousands it was but yeah i mean um, I, I, I think through i think your point about kids and being sucked in and that that um what happened with the fire festival and quite a lot mm-hmm. of the other things we've talked about you know um the thing that that's got to underpin everything, and this is probably quite a good place to kind of clo- close our chat, I suppose, is um, the underlying values that people have in their life are still so important. You know, um, when you're creating content, when you're consuming content, whether you're trying to start a business, uh, whether you're trying to grow an audience, uh, or you know, be a commercial success, or make your hobbies into something that you know can add to your, you know, add to the quality of your life. Um, the values that you hold 
are still the most important thing under there underlying that and the way that you treat people the way they interact with people mm-hmm. um that's what's going to make people successful or not successful um is, is the way that they behave as human beings i think that's still that that's still the most important thing yeah absolutely and just be kind as well and just um yeah i totally agree you know i've just looked at the clock and i had no idea that we'd been chatting for 54 minutes <laughs> that's ridiculous yeah. It's been good. It's, um, it's been fun. No, it, it's been really good. I mean, I, I would love to do it again because I've literally, I, I haven't, <laughs> I've hardly asked you any of the stuff that I was going to. But no, this is it's it's been great to get an insight into how your mind works and what you're thinking about, and it's it's interesting that we share similar thoughts. And yeah, thanks thanks for taking the time out to chat to me. I would oh, love to do something. I would love to do something again if if you're keen and maybe I can reel off some of these questions that i had for you but anything um, it's a pleasure great thank you very much Dan. have a lovely week cheers thank you bye-bye